Hello, it's Aisha Bailey here to talk about Sen Ladies and Okia. So I've got a good friend which I've known for quite a while and she is fabulous. I just want to talk a little bit about her life. She's got um, five children and she's had a little bit of a journey and her name is Rahiba. So Rahiba, take it away from please, my darling. Hi there. Um, yes, so you're right. I did have an extremely bumpy road. Um, I've obviously got five kids and I have four boys, one girl. Yes. Um, and four of my boys have um, disabilities and issues with um, learning as well as um, physical. Um, so first, a most important one I want to speak of is my second child. Um, he's cur- He's 13. And he has a diagnosis of um, autism, dyspraxia, hypermobility joints, and asthma. Um, he was very complex because he's always been a quiet side of uh, type of person, always sort of getting along with whatever's put in the t- on the table for him. And hence why this is why he was missed. All the signs were missed for him. Um, but I knew, I knew it that something not right with him because the way he's talked to me or, um, the fact that he's never had friends and, you know, people, like children at his age would call him names and say all sorts of things that used to upset him. Mm. Um, when he was in juniors, he, when he was quite young, he didn't quite understand that there's a different, difference about him compared to other children. Um, and he used to come home and when his older brother or his sister used to get invites to birthday parties and stuff, he used to question why he doesn't get it. Um, not knowing that he doesn't have friends and what is friends. Um, so we used to have moments, um, where he used to cry, um, he used to be frustrated. Why is it the way he is? He used to say things like, Mom, why am I broken? Mm. I mean, why don't I have the things that other children have? Um, so it was hard to explain to him that you're not broken. Um, when he was in year five, at the age of 10, he st- he was so frustrated, he built up so much anxiety to the point that he was verbally suicidal. So when he used to get so upset coming back from school, he used to turn around and say, Mom, I just want to kill myself. Um, and he used to be angry and say, you know, I can do it. I know how to do it. So he sort of used to threaten me that he's going to do it. That's when I approached the Senko. I said, look, something's not right. By the way, this is Akil, and Akil was born premature. He was under the hospital from very young age until the age of five. Um, and then they sort of discharging him, yeah, you know what, he's okay. And autism was never raised. Um, and when he was 10, when I approached the Senko, I said, look, something's not right. And I knew all along something wasn't right. Please, can you have, you know, a chat with him maybe? So um, she had a chat. And uh, I left her to co- uh, a few days and she come back to me and she said, you know what, there is something not right with him. So um, I'll refer him back on to CDC, which is the Child Development Centre. Mm-hmm. And um, she was like, oh, I'm so sorry that nobody's ever raised anything about Akil. I said, well, this is it. Because he masks everything and he's a person pleaser and he'll do anything by routine structure mm-hmm. and he'll be fine with it. You know, it's it's easy to miss. So at the age of 10, he was diagnosed with um, autism, and then um, he was diagnosed with dyspraxia, which is also a balance coordination issue that he has. So all the bumps and falls, he's broke his arm, he's broke his leg twice. Um, 
and he used to come back and, you know, he used to think that, you know, why am I the way I am? It was hard for me to explain that, you know, you, you, you're special just the way you are. You're perfect just the way you are. Doesn't matter what people say. How? But he really, really struggled Can to I just accept come in that. There quickly. How do you explain to, to your child? Same as the rest of the children. Yeah. How do you feel like, how do you explain to your child that you are the same as everybody else, but you've just got different needs? How do you explain that to a child? Well, that's it. All I said to him, well, Akil, you, you have, you know, a condition called autism mm. and you have a condition called dyspraxia. So dyspraxia is where you have difficulty coordinating things, um, simple things with fine motors, doing buttons, zips, and then the gross motor side is just running, coordinating, to, uh, throwing a ball, for example. So, and because he's got hypermobility on top of that, that makes it more difficult for him. So he has a lot of trips and falls and bumps. Um wow. So he's he's sort of grasped. Okay, I'm different, mm. but it's 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 fitting in still with the rest of the children. When someone being nasty to him, he takes it quite literally, and, and he'll hold on to it. So he's a very literal type of person. Mm. So he'll hold on to it, and that will bug him, and that's what caused the anxiety. My concern was not that yes, he's got a diagnosis, and that was it, and that's what we were left to with school. When I went back and I said, look, still things are not working right for him. Um, even though he's gotten a diagnosis, what is getting done? Mm, that's right. Oh, and I kept on saying, well, you know what? Academically, he's doing well, but it's not all about academic that's level. Right. It's about that's the right. rest of it, his social size, his communication. He has issue with everything. I had to fight myself with the local authority applying for an EHCP because the school won't do it. Mm. Um, and I had to go down through mediation to uh, appealing and eventually he, he ends up with an education healthcare plan for one assessment by the education psychologist which could have, which could have been done by the school but they didn't and once he went through an appeal obviously by local authority had to request an education psychologist to do an assessment that's how he got his plan and now he's in a secondary school in a special secondary school Yes, he has his days. Um, some days are worse than the others, and some days are good. Um, I guess he's always going to have that issue that he doesn't understand what friendship is. Mm. Um, he still doesn't have friends. Um, but he's having the right type of help that he needs when he needs it. Mm. And that's reassuring for me to know that actually he's, he's having that and he can get that. And if, when I make a phone call, something is getting done. I'm going to ask you a question. How is your mindset and how is your health dealing with this situation? Because obviously it takes a turn on your health also. Oh, uh, it's, it's very tiring. Very, very tiring. I mean, it's, it's hard as it is with one. Mm. Um, but then coming to learn that my eldest at the age of 15 is diagnosed with, has a diagnosis of dyslexia, mm. which was you know, to, again, missed by primary school, missed by juniors, uh, picked up in secondary, but not yet told. They didn't exactly explain that it's dyslex he's dyslexic. They just said he's got visual stress. It was later on when he started noticing that, Mom, actually, um, I've, I fit into this because I've suffered with this and I have this. So that's when I took him in for a, a private assessment, come to learn that he's dyslexic. So wow. mentally, it's it's really tiring for me with one um, child who's got autism, one child who's got dyslexic, the one um, who's um, 
younger than my daughter, who's eight years old. He's got sensory processing disorder, and he was a hard baby, as uh, you know, when, since the day he was born. He was a non-stop crying child who wouldn't settle for feeds, who wouldn't settle for um, sleep time. He was very restless. So it was ty- I was tired from the previous two, let alone having that one. It was extremely hard. Um, there was days I felt I want, I want to give up and then I can't do it no more. But as a mom, you just go back and you get up and you do it and you're like, you know what? I'm not going to stop fighting. Um, it's a shame how the system lets you down yeah, when there's, yeah, you know, yeah. when there is a system available for those type of children, when there is a law available for those type of children. But yet, as, as a parent, you still have to fight for it. That's what frustrates me as a mom that I've got to fight for my child's right. Mm. Not every you know, child, not every parent does it. Issues. So I'll give you respect for doing that because I know it's not an easy journey myself. So no, it's you know. not. Um, you know, it, it, this is what really, really gets to me: the system, the education system, um, the local authority side, um, lack of communication. You know, having lack of assessments done when they're available. And currently, my youngest, who is nine months, he's he's. He's got some form of medical issues. At the moment, he's got a diagnosis of reflux and um, severe milk allergy. But his symptoms are not getting any better with whatever treatment so far was done. And it's like nowadays GPs, doctors, consultants, it's like they don't want to do anything for you. Mm-hmm. You're almost left alone with whatever's there. It's like to ask them to do a further test. It's like ask, begging them for money. <laughs> you know, since COVID has come in, you know, it's affected everybody. Yeah. But... You know, I, who do you turn to when you've got a sick child? Who do you turn to? The doctors, the consultants, but they're like, they're not there. They're mentally not there to support you and help you. So how are you going about it? Obviously, I know you was talking about going private, but say if you're a parent who can't afford to go private, does that mean your child is that, not getting that's seen the difficult to? Part is how do you go private when you're, you know, up, you know working part-time? Trying to manage the children, like how do you afford all that? And you, you know, you, the NHS is there for every single body here in UK, but you don't get the help you need. Mm. Mm. What do you feel could be done as a parent with send children? Do, um, what do I feel that should be done? You could be done more towards helping. Well, I, I, I it would have been great if they start listening to parents and not relying on um, time, just saying, oh, we wait and watch, because that's when situations get bad for parents, because end of the day, we're having to deal with those kids at home. Mm. You're not, you're, all, you're only seeing us for five to an hour a day, mm. w- once every three months, potentially every six months. But we're having to deal with everything on a daily basis. And, you know, they need to listen. They need to do the necessary tests. And not wait around for it, thinking we'll wait and watch. Yes, there's a lot of things, you know, they've got to wait and watch with age when it comes to development side. But medical issues and stuff, I think they, they need to listen and do things right there and then. Do you think the schools could do more? And yeah, I do. I, yeah. I do feel that schools should do more, especially when it comes to the dyslexic side. Yeah. There's hardly anything there available for them. Very true. You know, even getting an assessment, I had to go out private to get that done. So did I. Very true. Very true. Um, I think 
they say they haven't got enough resources, but I think at the same time they could say, well, I think something might be going wrong with this child or she can't see. Have you ever thought about doing it? You don't get any help. You don't get no resources at all. But like I say, if you know your parent, you know your child, sorry, well enough to know something's not yeah, right. Yeah, that's it. Well, I mean, they do, they do say themselves, you know, you're the parent, you would know best. Yeah. But yeah, I know best, but you're not listening. That's right. That's right. It's, it's, it's a hard one to crack because right now I think like you are like a superwoman. <laughs> yeah, I know. Through <laughs> these situations by yourself and still having a career. So hats off to Rahiba because that is not easy. And still got five children apart from Zara who hasn't Thank got you. Sen. It, it, has, it has been... Um, a very very hard journey and to be honest I feel like it hasn't ended because I'm still I'm still if it's not one it's the other one I'm still going back and forth um, with the uh, hospitals doctors or even with the education side I'm still going back and forth if you could come back as something as a superhero what would be your special powers that you could have to help send parents and children my um, see, I have some experience in working with special needs and complex medical needs because I um, worked in a school, in a special school previously. Hence why I had a bit of knowledge to go back and say, do you know what, actually, my this is my second child I'm talking about, that something's not right with him. Um, from my personal experience and um, some professional experience... I no, would, you've got a special power. Like, you're like a superhero. A what superhero. would be your power? I, if I had a magic wand, yes. I would wave it, I wave it all away. You'd wave it all away. You wouldn't be invisible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. What would you wave away? The sin or the people that could help and not help in? What I would wave away. Um, see, if it's a magic wand, I would wave away all the discomfort and pain every child in, with special needs go through. Um, but when it comes down to having special powers for getting things done when they have uh, an SEN or a disability is having the powers to get the resources That's right. and get those professionals to actually do something mm. and fix whatever they possibly can. Mm. It's very true and I love what you said, like you just wave a and take the pain away because I feel like they can take the pain away if they want, but sometimes people don't have money. I feel like money, if you haven't got money for certain things, they won't help you. And to me, that is a special power if you haven't got any money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's, it's a struggle every direction for a parent. It is. Um, you know, with a special needs child, it's financially, you know, even looking after them, your own mental health, mm. it's... It, it's very tough and it's hard to balance everything. Mm. Very true. How is your mental health? Um, I, ch- I do get through the day, but I wouldn't say it's great because obviously, yes, I do have anxiety. Yes, I do have frustration, like I said. Um, and my, most of my frustration is the fact the system's letting us down. Very true. So and it's not now. Just- COVID is an excuse. Yeah, it's not just about special needs, it's a lot about mental health. And people forget this. 
It's like you said before, you know, your child is killing it on the education, but on the other table, no one really cares about the mental health. And that's more than education to me. Yeah. Also. So this is a reason why I've created an app. It's called Okia. And I'm trying to get this into schools. This app is for special needs children and learning difficulties. And it's a mindfulness app. So it's not just for the children. It's got to be for the parents as well. We've got a live coach that helps parents, carers to have someone to speak to for their day to day. Because I feel like there's not enough help for parents. There's a, you know, if there's not enough help for children, there's not going to be enough, no help for parents which they can have their mindset changed and also just to have a community to know that they're not by themselves also. And so you know as a parent that your child is safe in schools because some children can't talk to say how they're feeling. They have to go for what the teachers are saying. And because there's so many in a class, how do we even know that they're talking about the right child? Yeah, that's that's true. I do agree with that. As a matter of fact, they, they do get mixed. <laughs> they do get mixed, mixed up. Mixed. You know, they're only human. So this yeah. app is to help parents, help children to know that as, as me as a parent, I want to know my child is safe by my child telling me, not by someone else telling me. So please try and get this app out. It's called Okia. It's going to be out in January, February, the latest because the whole corona and um, it's good for everyone, you know, mindset. There's going to be yoga on there. There's different therapists, therapists, sorry, for children. You know, there's going to be laughing yoga on there. There's white noise. There's emojis on there. And everything they do, it comes back to the parents to let them know how they're feeling. It's absolutely brilliant. It took three years for me to develop. I've got a brilliant team also. So please tell your schools about it it's called Okia O-C-I-R brilliant I was going to wrap this up with my lovely darling Rahi because obviously she's been through quite a lot but we will do a part two with this because I want to know what's going on with the little baby because obviously he's got health issues as well and the rest of the children to let us know how did the NHS deal with it and how you go in private and how it's all working for you so I would love for you to come back onto the podcast again, Rahiba, when you're free, just to let us know the part two of how you're getting on. Yes, of course, definitely. So I just want to tie this down. I want to say, Rahiba, love, love, love. Give the kids big kisses for me and hopefully speak to you soon, okay? Great. Thanks a lot, Aisha. Thank you. Kisses. Bye. Bye.